3: Taylor uh, has a feel to be uh, a, a, a person who now speaks more than one, one language. I mean, I know, I know like, like, you've, you've got like a little tiny bit of French in you, right? I used to speak fluent French. But not so uh, much anymore. Not so much anymore. Okay, so that fell off. You went back to one. <laughs> yep. Now you're back to two. I've been at two my whole life. Um, my whole Zachary? like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually also my, speak your language my, too. My whole my whole adult life I've been uh, I've already know, I've known this la- this new language, this global language since I was <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, <laughs>
3: uh, a young man. Yeah, you've Cuz yeah. I talk like this all the fucking yeah, time. Yeah, you really do. I go hard on the parentese. You, you really do.
0: Are you familiar with parentese there, Brian? I'm not actually.
3: Parentese <laughs> is a global language, global study finds. I fucking Love this article, dude!
1: It's the cutest thing in the it world. Is fucking
0: cute. So, uh, in the
1: in the in the actual <laughs> Times article, there's like there's little sound bites. Oh yeah, I mean, can, I could do it. That you can, yeah. I can do it for I, you. I think yeah. I've
0: I think I've heard about this on TikTok.
3: You might have. Oh god! Uh, if people are wondering what the fuck is parentese, it is a global language, according to this uh, this global study. Uh, this is from the New York Times. Uh, we've all seen it. We've all cringed at it. Uh, we've all done it ourselves. Talk to a baby like it was, you know. A baby. Uh, so how I talk to Donut like every fucking day. <laughs> oh, hello, baby. <laughs> like that. That's a that's a language uh, you say in your little voice, lilting like a rapturously accommodating Walmart employee. <laughs>
0: <laughs> baby
3: is utterly baffled by your unintelligible warble and your shamelessly doofus grin, but. Baby so
0: cute, oh the oh. baby so cute.
3: See, he responds to oh, who's a good baby who's so cute? Oh, little Donny, Donny,
1: you're so cute. Uh, regardless, yeah, you and like that. That, that. actually, that like that, that, dude. That, yeah, to be totally <laughs> honest, dude, that has made me cringe from you for so long until I had a kid. <laughs>
3: the way the way I talk to Donut, yeah. Oh my god, really? Really? And, my, like, and,
1: and how I've seen you talk to babies,
3: dude. The way I talk to your baby, yeah, yeah.
0: I fucking go hard dude,
3: in the paint on fucking I, talking to her. Like I that. like. <laughs> I've always
0: found it cute. I, I love it, even when you do it, Jerry. I'm like, ah, that's now, here's so the nice. I, now I haven't <laughs> actually read this. So nice.
3: I, I didn't read the full article yet, um, be, uh, but I've known this, um, I and, and maybe they go into this in the article, but um, this the 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 reason we do that is not uh is, is actually like a an innate thing. We speak to babies in these like in these like very like widely variable varied pitches, like mm. high and low and high and low and i think the the biologically the reason we do that is to like teach children it's something to do with like teaching children or helping children learn like the the variances of like emotion or something like that like yeah it, it helps
1: things. uh it helps to um <laughs> it helps where they start to associate, like, the expressions. Uh, well, it's it's um, to do with, like, language development as well. So yes, like, language like development. Seeing yeah. you, like, produce sounds using and, like, moving your mouth in certain ways. Yeah. But also, like, the way that you put an expression on your face and how sounds and expressions are linked together. Yes. And so, like, yeah. that kind of creates, like, foundation for, for like, understanding how to express an emotion. Yeah, right. yeah. Um What was really, really interesting from that article was that I mean, basically, the, what what I, what I found fascinating was like any time that we can find something that like destroys all these like barriers that we've built up around each other in terms of like wh- whether it's like culture or race or religion or like all these things that sort of like separate people around the world. That this is something that goes, hey, but at the foundation of it all, we're all the fucking same. Mm-hmm. This is something that we do regardless of what your language is, regardless of what your culture is. We look at babies and we all go. Yeah. <laughs> whatever fucking language or whatever, yeah, yeah, you yeah. S- however you speak. Yeah. And they, they did a th- They did a test where they gave, they gave people a bunch of, um, a bunch of sound bites and said, is this person talking to an adult or to a baby? Ooh. And they, and, and <laughs> so, like, so the person that was getting this, whatever language, the person doing the test speaks doesn't matter. Cause they were given, a, they were given, uh, a a, Several sound bites in different languages. So, and then, regardless of whether, regardless of whether they know what the language is, they don't even know what the person's saying. Ooh. They can just tell it was something like seventy-five percent accurate. Yeah, so I feel they like they that would pick pick be easy. Out. Yeah. So,
3: so regardless of whether it helps to know it, researchers recently determined that this sing-songy baby talk, more technically known as parentese, seems to be nearly universal to humans around the world. In the most wide-ranging study of its kind. More than 40 scientists helped to gather and analyze 1,615 voice recordings from 410 parents on six continents and in 18 language languages from diverse communities, <clears throat> rural and urban, isolated and cosmopolitan, internet savvy and off the grid, from hunter-gatherers in Tanzania to urban dwellers in Beijing. The results, published recently in the journal Nature Human Behavior, showed that in every one of these cultures... The way parents spoke and sang to infants differed from the way they communicated with ad- adults. And that those differences were profoundly
0: similar from group to group to group. I, I feel like, guys, I feel like wasn't <clears throat> there this, like, uh, moment in time, I, maybe, like, five or ten years ago, where, like, it was popular in, like, early childhood education to say, like, don't speak to your kids like that. Like, speak to them this if is, you
1: want them to that's develop. A scene, this, this, that's this. a scene from Meet the Flockers. Uh, no, 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 no. I think it is. But it actually is. is. <laughs> but, 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 but Yes, but, but, but there, Robert, that, De, Robert but was, De Niro says, right. no, don't speak to him like a baby. Show him math flashcards. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But
0: that came from, like, that was like a caricature of, like, that moment but, in time where that, like, maybe. was becoming, no, like, No, kind no, no, no.
3: This is a real thing. So okay. so, so here's where, here's where the delineation, like, kind of breaks there. The way we speak to babies it's imperative that we talk to babies like this. The way I speak to Hudson, it's imperative that I speak to Hudson the same way I'd speak to my sister. And how old's Hudson? Five years old. Right. You know, like, so like a toddler... You know, yeah. like, like a toddler that's walking around and talking and like having thoughts and like trying to engage in conversation. Yeah. Don't talk to a fucking toddler like, hey, oh, you little buddy boo. Yeah. what do you <laughs> want to do? You want to get up on my shoulders? Yeah. You got to go.
0: <laughs> you know, Hello, sir. Like, What's
3: up, dude? You want to get on my shoulders? <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> Hello, sir. Yeah. yeah. I'm flabbergasted by your emotional range of expressions right now. <laughs>
3: yeah, exactly. Um, quote, we tend to speak in this higher pitch, high variability, like, Oh, hello, you're a baby, (laughs) (laughs) said Courtney Hilton, a psychologist at Haskins Laboratories at Yale University and a principal author of the study. Cody Moser, a graduate student studying cognitive science at the University of California, uh, and the other principal author added, quote, when people tend to produce lullabies or tend to talk to their infants, they tend to do so in the same way. The findings suggest that baby talk and baby song serve a function independent of cultural and social forces. They lend a jumping off point for future baby research and to some degree, tackle the lack of diverse representation in psychology. Uh, To make cross-cultural claims about human behavior requires studies from many different societies. And now there is a big one. Quote, I'm probably the author with the most papers on this topic until now. And this is just blowing my stuff away, said Greg Bryant, a cognitive scientist at the University of California, uh, who was not associated with the new research. Quote, everywhere you go in the world where people are talking to babies, you hear these sounds. Sound is used throughout the uh, the animal kingdom to convey emotion and signal information, including incoming danger and sexual attraction. Such sounds display similarities between species. A human listener can distinguish ha- between
0: happy and sad noises made by animals, from chickadees and alligators to pigs and pandas. Jer, if you were going to warn a baby about some sort of <laughs> impending danger. How would you do that? Um,
1: oh, no, no. There's oh the dangers <laughs> coming. Oopsie whoopee. <laughs> the house is on fire. <laughs> Come on,
3: time to go. <laughs> And I'd be like, get the fuck out! Get, get out! <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, scientists have long argued that the sounds that humans make with their babies serve a number of important developmental and evolutionary functions. As Samuel Mayer, uh, a psychologist and director of the music lab at Haskins Laboratories who conceived the new study, noted, solitary human babies are really bad at, the, at their job of staying alive. The strange things we do with our voices when staring at a newborn not only help us survive, but teach language and communication. For instance, parentees can help some infants remember words better, and it allows them to piece together sounds with mouth shapes, which gives sense to the chaos around them. Also, lullabies can soothe a crying infant, and a higher-pitched voice can hold their attention better. You can push quote. You can push air through your vocal tract, create these tones and rhythms, and it's like giving the baby an Ana- analgesic, analgesic, analgesic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but in making these arguments, <laughs> but in making these arguments, scientists mostly
3: in the Western <laughs> developed countries have largely assumed that parents across cultures modify their voices when talking to infants. Quote this. That was a risky assumption. Said Casey Lou Williams, a psychologist and director of the Baby Lab at Princeton University. God, that would be so fun working at the Baby Lab. <laughs> um,
1: oh my God, uh, guys, it's crazy when Kyla when Kyla talks to Isaiah, like when she does a high pitch voice because like, like she can do a high pitch voice way better than I can. Yeah, yeah, right. And she just gets better results.
3: Yes. Well,
1: it's like, really? it, it's, oh, like yeah. it,
3: it's and like very noticeably. It's kind of like. Um, like, well, I, I hired a dog trainer when I got, when, when Bridie and I got Bigby years ago. And one of the things that he said to us was like, look, um, I'm not trying to be sexist, but the reality is, is that he's going to listen to Jeremy far more than he's going to listen to you, Bridie. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because Jeremy's like, um, very masculine, booming, sexually attractive voice mm-hmm. is going to be um is going to be more attractive, assertive and more t- sexually attractive that's why he keeps reason. humping you Jeremy and <laughs> more like, Alpha. Oh, some-. But but it is there's more of an <laughs> like an alpha sort of like tone. And so he literally said to Bride, he was like, look, when you're taking him for walks, because he was like fucking her shoulder up. He was like, when you're taking her him for walks, lower your octave. Drop your octave down and like try to be more booming with your voice. And it was miraculous how much that worked mm-hmm. with him, like because. And Brady was like,
1: mm-hmm, "Baby, baby, <laughs> go, baby, baby, <laughs>
0: go." I wonder if uh, I wonder if babies can also <clears throat> sense the authenticity in which you did it. So Taylor, earlier you did when you did your first impression, like imagine you doing that now that you have a kid versus previous to when you had a kid. Would you feel like baby talk was more unnatural for you before you had Zaya? <coughs> I just wouldn't really do it, right? Exactly. So then, when you
1: start, yeah, doing how?
3: It- how is that possible? You wouldn't really do it. I do it all Dude, the time. Honestly, to Every baby, I don't even know the baby. I'm like, oh, honestly, I'm before, a blue, blue, I, blue, before
1: blue. I, before I, before I had Zay, I really didn't find babies cute. Oh man, or like or anything really i just kind of thought they were all ugly i know we did that test <laughs> oh we know god. you're a psychopath can you just replay that right there for a second take that back
0: holy god. fuck so so they yeah are like all I, ugly
1: i, I wonder. <laughs> Have you ever seen that episode of seinfeld where he's like where they go to the, they say, you gotta see the baby yeah, and yeah, then yeah, yeah. they show the baby and they're like oh my did, god do you think Sorry. it so, so, is funny how always,
3: much you text the two of us going like hey guys uh like do you want to, did you ever want to just eat a baby and then you send us a video of her like, like Being fucking so to sucker toes? <laughs> yeah, because that's,
1: that's my it's, baby. And that's because I know you guys think she's cute. She but is. if you didn't, then I wouldn't. Send but her wait, so so but if, you,
3: you, if we didn't think she was cute, you wouldn't know.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I would you tell me? You wouldn't tell me?
3: No, I'd probably tell you. I wouldn't have the heart. Why not? Have you told our friend who has an ugly baby that their baby's ugly? Don't say that out loud.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, but that's because... Okay, thank you. (laughs) Thank you.
0: It's a different relationship. It's a different relationship. (laughs) Um, But, uh... (laughs) Taylor, so did did Kyla? <laughs> oh
1: fuck, dude! Did, that's embedded. That's that's embedded. <laughs> that's a, that's <laughs> in the internet for guys, guys, in the world now. Guys,
0: everybody has that friend. Yes, everybody, yeah, everybody, has, everybody a friend has, a has, has a friend that has a hideous, yeah.
3: hideous, monstrous baby. And Although his, here's the thing: those uh, those super ugly babies, they grow times. they grow up yeah. when, they up when to be they're like when you. they're four. They're like the most adorable little things.
0: That's the uh, that's the story of the ugly duckling. Yeah, but um, so so did Kyla? <laughs> did Kyla speak to babies with that baby voice? Oh, Kyla before did for she had sure. Zaya. for sure.
1: Before she had Zaya? yeah. No, Kyla didn't had no time for her babies. Period. Really? What? I,
0: yeah, that surprised me. But I like would, but
1: like 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 you know, a baby.
3: Someone's like, here's my new baby. Kyla wasn't like,
1: oh, cool. No, Kyla would be like, cool. Oh my god, you guys that's-
3: are. You guys are evil. <laughs> you guys are,
1: no, no we have a baby now, and we speak parentese. <laughs> oh, right. But yeah. I was—I was, I was going to
0: say my my hypothesis was that you, that she flexed her baby talking muscle more than you, and then maybe that's why it would be more effective. But obviously, like no, we know she's that she's just got a the higher pitch, vo- yeah. higher
1: pitch voice. Yeah. Uh,
0: the new hey study- Kyla, I think that you you come across. I know you're listening right now. You come across as the type of person who loves babies. So don't worry, yeah, even that- though you're a psychopath like Taylor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I we mean, all think that's that what I thought.
3: I thought Kyla was
1: like
0: just like a, I thought Kyla was like constantly like
3: squishing now, cheeks and, and the, no, and never poking bellies. So the difference
1: is that like I've always loved dogs, so when I see dogs, I'm like, oh my god, I fucking love every dog, every yeah. dog I fucking love, and I've always loved regardless of whether I had a dog or not. Kyla did not. Kyla would always be like, oh yeah, I can intellectually see how that dog is cute to another person. But uh, then once you got Loki. But then once we got Loki, she yeah. was like, I'm obsessed with Loki. I yeah, love yeah, yeah. Loki and Loki is yeah. my fucking world.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, the new study's acoustic analysis also listed out the, uh, these worldwide characteristics of baby and adult communication in a way that brought on new questions and realizations. For instance, people tend to try out many different vowel sounds and combinations when talking to babies. Quote exploring the vowel space, yeah, as dude. Mister Mosher puts it. Goo goo gaga. Yeah, yeah, t- yeah, right.
1: <laughs> dude, <laughs> I, just, wow, wow, dude, wow. I just start making fucking crazy sounds, at Zaya and just see what she like, uh, what she responds to. And it's so much fun. I do this, this with
0: all with Rupert.
3: This too. happens. This this happens to be quite similar to the way that adults sing to each other around the world. Uh, Baby talk also closely matches melody of song, the songification of speech, if you'd like. Mm. This could potentially point to a developmental source of music. Maybe, quote, listening to music is one of those things that humans are just wired up to do, which is super. That's a fucking cool. Like, point
1: na A, na
3: But the jury is still out as to how these cross cultural similarities fit into existing theories of development. Quote, the field going forward will have to figure out which of the things in this laundry list are important for language learning. Dr. Lou Williams said. And that's why this kind of work is so cool. It can spread. Um, So yeah, really, really interesting uh, little article there. Uh, uh, And if you're listening to this, uh, you very
1: likely speak more than one language, even if you thought you only spoke one. I just, again, I think it's, I just think it's wonderful because like, there are lots of things that like, that like really do separate, separate cultures just inherently because we just, different cultures do things differently. So like when you get to a, uh, when two cultures are at a place where they would you know they would do something in a certain way one 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 is like well we're going to do it this way and the other ones like, we're going to do it that way and that might seem weird to <coughs> each respective culture for doing it differently but then yeah. like if you see somebody if if you see somebody like if if you go to if you go to the dingle park um what is it what is that called it's not called the Dingle Park. It's called, San- it's called, Fleming San- it's called Sanford Fleming Park.
3: At the Dingle, there's a place in Halifax called the Dingle, which never <laughs> to make me it not laugh. And also, there's a giant phallic building that is <laughs> yeah. called the Dingle. It's called the Dingle,
1: and it's a really nice park. <laughs> and whenever I go there, there's like there's tons <laughs> there's tons of like South Asian families that go in, and have picnics there. Yeah, and there's always yeah. tons and tons of children around, and this makes me go, oh, when you get a whole bunch of different cultures in that park. Any culture could go up to any other and go up to a baby and or speak a kid parentese. and be like, oh, what? and start making those yeah. sounds. And everyone would go, yeah, that makes yeah, total sense. Totally. yeah. No one would go, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank yeah. God.
0: Thank God you know this now. Because before, if you didn't know this and some random group of people were walking up to another random group of people with a baby and they came up to talk to them, you would be... Threatened. You feel threatened. You know, the, what, yeah. what, what, you just,
3: what you just said reminded me of something pretty funny, though. Did you ever see that TikTok of like... No. it's, it's uh, it, Well, you probably saw it on Instagram because Instagram is now just TikTok. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're it's, right. it's a video. It's, it's like f- four people standing in a row. And each one, each person behind the other person is kind of blocked from the frame. Um, and, and so the first person speaks like English. So they say like, oh, uh, they say, yes. bicycle. And then they step to the side And the next person's Spanish and Bicicleta then, Bicicleta And then the next person And they stand aside Man And then the next person that. Says like something else It says bicycle in their language And then they step aside And the German person's like Schleisten <laughs> and, <then, laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and then they come back And they do like another word That's like Like a really pleasant word yeah. And every time the German says it It's like It's super fucking <laughs> grating And like aggressive Yeah well, you what you know German baby talk, I, talk I was like, like <laughs> par- German parentese is like Schleisten 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 fleisen Dude you know why that is, which is really funny,
1: which is really funny, <laughs> but the reason why that sounds so, that, that sounds so out of place is because they typically they're doing it with like, they're doing it in a lot, in all the Roman, the all the Roman languages, which sound very similar, mm. uh, romantic languages, I should say, um, which are Roman languages, but they sound very similar. And oh then you God. get a, a German, you get German, which is not a Roman language yeah. and it's like oh my gosh. yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like a costing to you It's funny because
0: like like counter to that like uh like the Dutch language they 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 it just sounds like they never stop speaking parentese.
1: Yes. Like yeah. English right. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's so.
3: Yeah. So offensive yeah, that's to the, Dutch people. The, that's so the accurate. The Swedish cook. Ford <laughs> and um, uh, If you guys could learn any language, like if you could like Matrix download any one single language, you only you only got one chance to learn one. What would it be? <laughs> Mandarin. I
1: think, I think probably the most like practical would be Mandarin. But I think if I I think German, maybe Italian. I Italian's you, Italian's very like. Very sexy. I do Japanese. Japanese would be cool. Yeah, too. Japanese would be cool.
3: Yeah. Uh, here's some really wild news. Um, so, folks, if you if you have a Netflix subscription, who doesn't? Um, you might have seen a recent uh, series, limited series that just dropped. Uh, from Michael Pollan, based on the uh, the name of the same book that he wrote, uh, "How to Change Your Mind." Oh,
1: That's out now.
0: It
3: is out. Um, fantastic. Paul um, Stamets is in it, right? Uh, I haven't watched the mushroom episode, he the solo episode,
0: but I but I highly, I yeah, I would I would guess that he's.
1: probably He talks right. about Paul Stamets in the in book. the book. You yeah. can't
0: miss the mushroom hat when yeah. he's wearing. It. No, yeah, you
3: yeah. um, <clears throat> So the the if you're not familiar with the book or the series, it's about this guy. He's a journalist, um, uh, Michael Pollan. An author, he's written a lot of books about, um, like food and like how, uh, how food plays uh, like an integral part of our development and like and 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 culture, um, and he wrote a book called How to Change Your Mind a, a few years back that was about his exploration into um, psychedelic medicines. So uh, <clears throat> the primary ones being um, LSD, psilocybin um uh m d m a and uh and uh mescaline um and it's uh it's it's the i mean the book and the show are really meant to like shift our perspective on these substances that have um been heavily stigmatized due to um you know political reasons from all the way back from you know in the like the nineteen fifties nineteen sixties um and it's coming at a the, the show comes at a really interesting time, especially for the United States right now, because um, uh, Double Blind, which is a, a magazine uh, and and online resource for psychedelic education, um, I've taken some of their courses, like trip setting courses, and um, and <clears throat> uh, they've got a number of different like courses that they offer. They just put out this article about how Colorado psychedelics legalization measure qualifies for November ballot. So. Uh, The bill would legalize the possession of certain psychedelics and allow for psilocybin treatment centers, but not all advocates are in favor of it. Colorado voters will have the chance to decide on a historic ballot initiative this November to legalize psychedelics and create licensed psilocybin healing centers where people can use the substance for therapeutic purposes. Uh, Less than a month after activists turned in signatures for the, quote, Natural Medicine Health Act, The Secretary of State's office on Thursday announced that the campaign had successfully qualified the measure for the ballot. The Natural Medicine Colorado campaign, which is backed by the National New Approach PAC, uh, has submitted about 100,000 more signatures than required for ballot access, a stabilized buffer that that was the result of just about three months of petitioning. The measure would legalize possession of certain psychedelics, establish a therapeutic model model for supervised psilocybin treatment, and provide a pathway for record sealing uh, for prior convictions. So here's what the Natural Medicine Mm -hmm. Health Act initiative would accomplish if approved by voters. And this is pretty fucking cool. Possession, use, cultivation, and sharing of psilocybin, ibogaine, mescaline, not derived from peyote, dmt and psilocybin would be legalized for adults 21 and over without an explicit possession limit. There would be no recreational sales component. Um, under the proposal, that the the Department of Regulatory Agencies would be responsible for developing rules for a therapeutic psychedelics program, where adults 21 and over uh, could visit a licensed healing center to receive treatment under the uh, the guidance of a trained facilitator. There would be a two tiered regulatory model where only psilocybin. And psilis, uh, only psilocybin and psilocin would be permitted for therapeutic use at a licensed health. Psilocin,
1: like a like a like a non psychedelic derivative or something.
3: <clears throat> I actually don't know what psilocin is. Um, let's find out. Uh,
1: I I read something not that long ago that was like it might have been, might have been Rolling Stone, mm. maybe the Times, and it was it was it was like uh, it was like science's search for a for a for all the that all the therapeutic benefits of psilocybin without the trip mm. that's really interesting because Which the, i'm um, like sil- the trip is the medicine i, I mean i think
3: psilocybin is um, is a substituted tryptamine alkaloid um and seroton- ser- seroton- serotonergic serotoner- serotonergic psychedelic substance so it's it's um it's present in most psychedelic mushrooms together with, with its um, counterpart, psilocybin. So it's like mm. one of the pieces of um, of magic mushrooms. The,
0: the thing that I've, I find um, really exciting about this is that it, it reminds me of the conversation that was happening around um, uh, the legalization of, of weed in Canada when that happened for, for recreational use that would then allow for medicinal research to yeah. take place. Yeah. Um, because like a lot of these drugs, like it, it there's so yeah. many loopholes you have to go through to be able to even use them for scientific research purposes. Yeah. And therefore like if it, if it was just easily accessible, yeah.
1: you have to be truly like, as a scientist to like want to <laughs> jump through those loopholes. You've got to have some sort of, some sort of motivation that is just exterior to your scientific curiosity, mm-hmm. you know, because, yeah. because there's just so, because it's just way easier to go, eh, I'm going to focus my research on something that is going to be easier to do, yeah. easier to be funded, easier yeah. to get access to the research and ultimately yeah. to be able to, yeah. this could potentially my, to do my PhD. Change that in a big way.
0: Not to mention this, the stigma that comes with that too. So like if yeah. you're a, um, a researcher and you're doing work in, you know, um, psychedelics, then all of a sudden you, it could be very easy for some people in the community to like paint you with this brush. Like, <clears throat> Oh, that's the psychedelic guy. And like, maybe not take you as seriously. Yeah. And, and so it, it is, I could imagine that when you, when you say Taylor, that they would need some sort of exterior motivation. Yeah. I think that motivation would have to be really high for them to do yeah. that because the sort of like negative consequences, even at least subconsciously in that community would be probably hard to get. Yeah. Um, I think
1: it's changing. I think it'd be changing now, but for sure. Yeah. yeah. Cause John, John's still Hopkins, exists. John's yeah. Hopkins yeah. is like, because Johns Hopkins is one of the driving forces behind the like psychedelic revolution in terms of it being a having these massive medicinal benefits Ooh. that lends a huge tailwind to the whole Man. thing so that when somebody says it you know even somebody who might not necessarily think you know their maybe their hypothesis is that it doesn't really do anything they are like but Johns Hopkins is on board and that Kind of carries yeah. this prestige with it. So uh, again, to
3: that sentence uh, that I that I got sidetracked with psilocybin. Um, uh, so there would be a two tiered regulatory regulatory model where only psilocybin and psilocin would be permitted for therapeutic use at licensed healing centers until June 2026. After that point, regulators regulators could decide whether to also permit regulated therapeutic use of DMT, ibogaine, and mescaline. Um, and then <clears throat> the other thing in here is that people who have completed their sentence for a conviction related to an offense made legal under the act would be able to petition the courts for record sealing. If there's no objection from the district attorney, the court would need to automatically clear that record, which is also like a huge, huge part of, uh, of that entire thing. That's awesome. Now in this article and this, this actually, this, this, uh, sort of shocked me. They go into, um, Uh, All the different places that are also looking at like making some like headway in changing legislation. So um, this is also interesting. Meanwhile, uh, Colorado uh, Governor Jared Polis was recently asked about the prospect of engaging psychedelics reform in the state. And he acknowledged that advocates are working to accomplish that policy change to uh, that policy change at the ballot and also said he supports the idea of decriminalizing the substances. And uh, last month, Polis signed a bill to align state statute to legalize MDMA prescriptions if and when the federal government ultimately per- permits such use. Um, so the, the move further, um, uh, with respect uh, of psychedelics, Colorado is far from the only state where reform is advancing. So New Jersey, uh, the leader of the New Jersey Senate filed a bill last month that would legalize the possession home cultivation, and gifting of psilocybin mushrooms for adults 21 and older. The governor of Connecticut signed a large-scale budget bill in May that includes provisions to set the state up to provide certain patients with access to psychedelic-assisted treatment using substances like MDMA and psilocybin. Maryland's governor recently allowed a bill to go into law without his signature to create a state fund to provide cost-free access to psychedelics. Uh, like psilocybin, MDMA, and ketamine for military veterans suffering from PTSD. A Massachusetts-based company, uh, Bay Staters for <laughs> National Medicine, is also supporting a statewide push, a uh, reform push. Uh, the Maine Senate uh, also approved a bill. Um, the governor of Utah signed a bill in March. Uh,
1: a Missouri House committee, which is that's really interesting. Oh, there's a, there's a couple states here, here that Utah is. Utah just it is like, sort of in this like very unique space because of the Mormon yeah, population. Yeah. And like, if you go to Utah, it's unlike any state. There's like though. a bunch of drives, a whole bunch of counties weird and yeah. rules going on in Utah. Yeah. Uh,
3: a Missouri House committee also uh, held a hearing last month on a GOP led bill to legalize a wide range of psychedelics for therapeutic use. Uh, the Hawaii Senate approved a bill to set up a state working group to study the therapeutic benefits of psilocybin. I mean, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> Oklahoma House of Representatives passed a bill uh, to decriminalize low level possession of psilocybin. Uh, Rhode Island, Oregon, uh, Oregon, um, Virginia, California, New Hampshire, and even Texas. Uh, legaliza- uh, legislation was also enacted by the Texas legislature last year, Requiring the state to study a medical risk and benefits of psilocybin, MDMA, and ketamine mm-hmm. for military veterans in partnership with, with the Baylor College
0: of Medicine. Strong uh, groundswell coming out of Austin for that one in particular. De- yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really
1: great to see. To see. I mean, a in the whole psychedelic realm, but also this is probably going to lend itself to the legalization of drugs in general, uh, or at least the decriminalization of. To stop the ridiculous incarceration of people for using drugs, which is, you know, we've talked a lot about lately. But I do wanna say that for anybody listening, that sounds like that's that, that maybe, you know, maybe your experience with psychedelics <laughs> is not that great or you don't have any. And so because of that, you might feel like, oh, this sounds like it's happening really fast and da 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 da. If you read just the first couple chapters of Michael Pollan's book, you'll realize this is 20 plus years in the making. Well, mm. this is actually like 70 years in the making. Oh, yeah. There was a huge yeah. blackout period in the from like the 70s until the year, I think it was like 2002 or 2003. But basically around 2002, the research got revived. And Ooh. it's been like a 20-year process since then that this whole idea of psychedelics as therapeutics mm. for various conditions. And has people, been, has people been also a, might not, really not realize,
3: but like Albert, when Albert Hoffman... Um, uh, uh, synthesized LSD, LSD twenty five for the first time. Um, uh, Sandoz, the, the 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 pharmaceutical company that that made it, um, for a number of years, were giving out massive quantities of LSD for free to doctors and psychologists to study the the use of this. This was back in the forties. It was like the same year that uh, they they discovered the atom bomb. Um, Albert Hoffman accidentally dosed himself with LSD and that's how, that, that's how it came I mean, to be. I mean,
1: dude, Michael so, Pollan's book like yeah. read Michael Pollan, read how, <laughs> what, how to Change Your Mind. It's incredible. gives yeah. you an incredible history of the whole... The,
0: even like I, I think of um, I think of, so it was drilled into me as like a kid that that psychedelics and drugs were bad. Yeah. Right. Drugs I mean, as like, like one, single, like drugs this in is general, your right? brain on drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this is a guy just fucking making scrambled eggs. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but the, but the, th- the point is, is that I think like my, <laughs> my mind has changed over time. And like, as I've yeah. based on, you know, a number of different you know, personal experiences and, you know, hearing other people's stories. But one, like I uh, tell you, you mentioned that we had, we've had quite a few conversations about this as of late. Like the episode that we released this week, um, "Mom, Stop the Harm." That conversation—it's it, it, like s- sometimes you think that something would be counterintuitive to the way that you would typically respond to a situation, but it actually yields a better outcome in the end. And like the decriminalization of drugs, in particular, to some people seems counterintuitive. They're like, "Drugs are bad. We should, you know, lock up people so that we keep drugs off the streets." But the research <laughs> Shows that that doesn't work. I mean, just and, like, and I mean, among other like close. hundreds of other reasons too. But, but the thing is, is that like, if you feel that way and if, if like the idea <laughs> of legalizing these drugs makes you feel uncomfortable, then you should, you should do like, you should look into some of these things a little bit more. Yourself. You should educate yourself. Yeah, it's like, it, it's like it,
3: um, for years I hated Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> And uh, I just think Bruce Springsteen sucks. And then I was camping the other day. Didn't realize
1: that he's been trolling America?
3: <laughs> I was camping the other day and a guy that was there, Keegan, uh, was like, can, I, can, can you play um, uh, an album called Nebraska? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I, I looked it up and I was like, fuck, it's fucking Bruce. And so I put it on. What's his nickname? The, the, uh, the, the boss. boss. The Boss. I put on the, the album. And uh, it was one of the best albums I had listened to in a long time. And so I changed my mind about how I felt about Bruce Springsteen. Um, still think the E Street Band can suck it. But that album, Nebraska, it's pretty fucking great. And I feel like there's kind of a similarity here in that there's someone out there who just thinks that psychedelics suck. Um, until you put that one perfect psychedelic on, uh, maybe it's a tab of LSD, and you go, oh, this is
1: pretty great. And, and the mentality... Like I was sitting around I did the, I did a ride last night with a group of buddies and we went to get some beers afterwards and and uh we ended up on the topic of you know smoking weed and doing mushrooms and stuff and 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 when the and when the when your when your default assumption for doing something like mushrooms or LSD is like to have fun yes or to like do it like at a party or something like that when that's your default assumption for what that's supposed to be <laughs> how it's supposed to be done yeah then it does take that like, oh, I don't know. And like, I, I, I'm not sure if I want to do it or, I, or I, uh, I did it and it wasn't great. And it's like, yeah, oh, that makes sense.
3: Because it's very similar to, to weed. You know, it's yeah. like when le- weed got legalized, like, I don't know. Like, usually, what, I mean, back in the day when I was in high school, and I was smoking weed. I was smoking weed to get fucked up, you know, yeah. and, like, and like to like fucking put on like weird like sit around a basement with a bunch of fucking gnarly dudes from Sackville and like put on yeah. Pink Floyd, fucking like <laughs> ew. <laughs> but when you yeah. approach but, it but in then, a context, but now of, today uh, it's like oh fuck man, I got like. But there's like a gotta there's relax, an intention, so I eat a couple edibles a, and
1: yeah, something that you want to something that you'd like like to accomplish or, yeah. or, or 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 maybe not something specific, but something that you're just going like I wonder like what re- will come up.
3: Yeah, or like a reset. Yeah, yeah. it's just like a, a, but, a way to reset, but, as opposed to like a way to get.
0: But even yeah. like I mean, recreational uses is, is one thing too, and even like recreational use with intent is another thing. But yeah. but like, think about um, was it was it Tom the the guy that we had on that was the first person who did yes legally did um yeah. uh, psilocybin yeah. for uh Thomas PTSD Hartle. treatment yeah. in in Canada. <laughs> like his story wild isn't in, is incredible, yeah. and and like you know not to not to give the entire He'd revisit the entire story but like cole's notes he had incredibly intense anxiety yeah. and did this guided um psilocybin trip in a with a doctor around and with a
1: massive dose and that anxiety yeah went away i mean i don't mind yeah. talking about it but in terms of like therapeutic use for people with like mental health things and 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 a number of different like existential like existential crises and stuff i mean to me, as far as I'm concerned with what I've seen, that's like settled science. Oh yeah. And now we were yeah. like and now I think inter- at least me and everybody else out there, maybe who's not as far down that rabbit hole, you need to concentrate on the on the therapeutic uses. Yeah. But for me, I'm I'm moved on to like the 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 like personal yes. The like personal use for Self development, yeah, yeah, like outside like, therapy, outside, like going to therapy, yeah, yeah. like outside of outside yeah. of needing it for a treatment, yeah, <laughs> like um, a, like a diagnosis, like a clinical treatment, yeah.
0: Think of your favorite one-hit wonder,
1: or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have,
0: or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now, what if we could fix it?
3: Uh, we so uh, over the last like I don't know couple of weeks of Feel Good Friday we've been touching on uh, uh, conjoined twins mm-hmm. and uh, and <laughs> the true I, real the, twins real real the real real, twin. the real, real <laughs> twins um, and this is an article that someone had told me about I forget, I wish I could remember who but um, it's a story it's an old story back from 2002 and it was the story of uh, two conjoined twins Mary and Jody. Uh the twin daughters of the Maltese couple Michelangelo and Rina Etard, uh known as the British known to the British public as Mary and Jody, were joined at the pelvis. Is Malta a British Spanish island? Uh yes. Uh oh, I don't know if it's British, but it is it it is uh I guess it is Spanish. Okay. Yeah, but some yeah. of those islands are just it might like, be, some of it those might, islands are like, are it still might be. British. I mean, the, 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 accent, the Maltese accent is very, uh, is very UK. Can you do it? Um, I actually used to be able to, cause okay. my, my nieces are from Malta.
0: Malta is a like, country in Europe. It's an archipelago, uh, in the central Mediterranean between Sicily and the North African coast. Oh, so it's, it's, it's a, a very, uh, the, it's a very like, it's a very like proper, mommy like it's like that kind of shit anyway
3: Anyway, uh so the twin daughters of the maltese couple michelangelo and rena Tard, known as the british to the british british public as mary and jody were joined at the pelvis with a fused spine (sighs) although operations to separate other infants joined in such a manner have been relatively straightforward doctors knew from before the girl's birth in october of 2000 that both babies could not survive Mary, the smaller and weaker twin, was fatally compromised. Her lungs and heart were not properly formed, and her brain was primitive, although capable of sustaining life. If the operation had not taken place, both babies would have died. Quote, the only way Mary could have survived was by the link to her sister who was acting as her life support machine, Uh, neonatal surgeon Adrian Bianchi told Mary's inquest. Quote, over the previous 10 days, Jody's heart had begun to show signs of strain, uh, consequent to taking on two bodies. The doctors had little doubt about what had to be done, but the parents, devout Catholics who had come to Britain to consult leading specialists in conjoined twins, were not prepared to agree to the ending of Mary's life, even though it would be, saving, the, be the saving of Jody's. The case went to the high court, which ordered that the separation should go ahead. And then quickly on the Court of Appeal, where the judges said they had been faced with an agonizing decision. In the end, they came down in favor of Jody's right to life. Quote, Mary has always been fated for an early death, said the senior judge, Lord Justice Ward. Oh, dude, that's a heavy ruling." Though Mary has the right to life, she has little right to be alive. She is alive only because, to put it bluntly, but nonetheless accurately, she sucks the lifeblood of Jody, and her parasitic living will soon be the cause of Jody's ceasing to live. Whoa,
1: dude! That's our that's a hardcore statement. That is intense.
3: Uh, Jody is entitled to protest that Mary is killing her. The best interest of the twins is to give the chance of life to the child whose actually bodily condition is capable of accepting the chance of her advantage, even if she has to be at the at the cost of the sacrificing a life. "Quote: I am left in no doubt at all that the scales come down heavily in Jody's favor." The Catholic Church and other uh, campaigners vigorously protested at the decision, but the parents decided not to take the case to the House of Lords. In a 20-hour operation, the bones and internal organs shared by the twins were separated and neurosurgeons delicately divided the spinal cord. When the main blood vessel connecting Mary to Josie was severed, the weaker twin died. It was an incision the two surgeons, Alan Dixon and Mr. Bianchi, made together in silence and, they said, with great respect. Jody, whose real name, Gracie, was disclosed after the operation, is living with her parents in their native island of Gozo and is said to be doing well. Doctors said she should be able to live a normal life and have children of her own. Rose, Mary's real name, is buried on the island.
1: Whoa. Wild story, wow. Yeah. That is wild. Yeah. Fuck. I and mean, wasn't it like something, like some <clears throat> crazy number, like only, only like two or three percent of conjoined twins actually live? Like live to be birthed. Yes.
3: Yeah. Right. Like, like after birth, there's like a, a very high percentage of them that, that uh, die before like being able to,
1: yeah. to
0: so, grow. And- so wait, just to clarify. So the parents obviously didn't want to separate them. Yes. But yeah. Mary, sorry, Jody, the one who was Jody who was, was healthy, yes. the healthier one. Yeah. She would have probably had a shortened life. She would have if, died. If, if she wasn't separated from the one her organs married, could was, not sustain two lives. It right. was they
1: both die or one dies. Right. So <laughs> uh, like
0: I I can understand that somebody with a different perspective would, you know, not want to make that decision to end the life of I think it's of pretty easy
1: to to see that from both sides, yeah. But
0: but but um but the ending sounded like Jody is now living a can live a full on normal life. Yeah. Like I'm I'm surprised at how Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's different, but it's,
3: it's not that much different from like the, the abortion debate when it comes to like religious beliefs, Mm. you know, like you have a baby that is, um, you know, for example, bound to be, um, to die within the first month of his, of of its existence after its birth. Mm. Um, and you know, someone who is, holds a pretty staunch religious belief and doesn't believe in abortion is going to be like, well, that's a life and that life needs to live as long as it can live. Mm. And we're not going to like abort the baby. Whereas like somebody who doesn't hold that, that, that value is looking at that going, that's just, that seems like torture to me. Like why would we do that? You might get,
1: you might actually see (coughs) both sides of that same argument play out, uh, in different ways in, 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 in each way throughout different States that have that, that had, uh, the, the like trigger abortion bans that like when Roe v. Wade was struck down, then there was these like trigger laws that were like waiting in the wings to yeah. be enacted in, in, in at the state level to um to ban abortion where I, I don't quote me on this, but I believe that this is true. Whereas and I don't know what states are which, but there'd be some states where it would say that if the life of the mother is in danger, then that basically negates the the law the, the abortion ban, and the, they, can, they can they can perform an abortion to save the mother's life, but then in other states that's not in effect, which is basically the each side of that situation with the twins, mm-hmm. where it's going. In one case, we mm. think that we we think that we think that we should just let it be and like let mm. let let God roll the dice mm. and they either both die or maybe there's a miracle and they both live Mm -hmm. or one lives. Mm -hmm. Whereas the other one's like, well, let's take action because we know that we can save the life of the mother. If we Mm -hmm. have, if we do an abortion." do you think that's how he does
3: it? God rolls the dice. I think so. He just takes a bunch of dice, puts it in a cup and like Yahtzee. He's actually oh, in this like not a,
0: gonna survive. He's in like this like ethereal alleyway. Yeah, yeah. They're
1: twelve sided
0: dice. Yeah. Um, um the, <clears throat> the, uh, the interesting do you guys see the Trevor Noah bit about um about when Roe v. Wade was was struck down, uh, how he, he was like, you know, like he's like I can I can get behind the the idea that the states should be able to choose. You know, they're like we have one state is red, one state's blue, and the red state they mm-hmm. want to do it this way, and the blue state they want to do it this way. I mean,
1: that's fundamentally what the U.S. And he's is like, about. he's
0: like, that's a great idea. So, but what if we took it a little bit further? You know, like each city in those states might be different. Like you have like an Austin in Texas, and then you have like a Dallas. So, you know, why don't we then let each <laughs> city choose what their their laws are? And then he's like, but then the neighborhoods are different. So why don't we why don't we t- take it another step further and take it down to the the neighborhoods and then why really don't we take it one step further and then take it down to each host that doesn't really and, and, hold that yeah. actually
1: that argument doesn't hold up because the reason that states can make that decision but that's the is joke taylor the, yeah. it's, it's a
3: joke yeah. the joke is that if you keep following it down it gets to it the individual's choice person's choice. that's the fucking no, no, that's the joke
1: no i understand I, I i get the joke part of it but but the but the reason that the state can make a, can make a law is because there's no overarching federal mandate so that is what allows the state to make the law. So once the state has a law, the the smaller governments underneath it can't make their own law about it.
0: Totally. But the but his point in the argument is is that if if the because the whole point I that get they the were joke, making, Brian. yeah, the whole point that they're making is that is that I don't disagree. The reason why <laughs> Roe v. Wade was being struck down was because like, oh, we should allow states to choose. They there should be a they should allow allow them the opportunity to choose that. And then he's like, yes, okay, well then why don't we just let an individuals choose? Yeah. Obviously there's no overarching federal law in that case. Yeah. But it makes, yeah, it would, it would make a lot of sense in in that case.
3: Um, let's move along to one of the, one of the best things I've ever seen. One of my favorite things is, uh, in the world is UFC. One of my favorite things in the world of UFC is, uh, is post fight interviews, uh, Typically, they interview the winner of the fight. And oftentimes, uh, th- those interviews can always be one of several different things. It can be very boring where the guy's like, yeah, it was great, you know, I went in there, punched that guy. And, I want to uh, thank God thank God for rolling the dice, on me this time, and I won the dice roll. Thank God, thanks. Um, or they could be really, like, like, really intense, you know, where a fighter, like, gets Super up intense. there and just starts calling out another fighter. And it's like something out of the WWF, you know, it's like really classic WWF or it can be something really hilarious you know like uh, uh Derek Lewis one of my one of my favorite heavyweight fighters you know he comes out and he's like sweaty as shit he just want to fight and and uh, someone asked him a question like, how you feeling? He's like, my balls is hot. Like it, it's, <laughs> it, it can go so many different ways. But he took his shorts off. <laughs> he took his, he's like, why are you taking shorts off? My balls is hot. Um, but this past uh, Saturday, uh, UFC over in London, uh, Paddy the Batty, the the the, uh, the, 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 the fucking scouser from Liverpool uh, won his <laughs> fight. Uh, thank you, Paddy. Uh, you also won me some money. Um, but <laughs> after his fight, he actually gave a heart wrenching post fight interview. And um, uh, the reason we're playing this here is because uh, I think that uh, Patty raised a really good point, and uh, he went through some trauma right before his fight. And um, and what a what a fantastic use of a massive platform for someone who um, went through something so hard. And you know he has a matter of thirty seconds to make a point, and he really he really made the most out of those thirty seconds. So check this out.
2: But uh, can I say a few words? Wait. I wanna. <laughs> I want to dedicate this fight to little baby Lee, little warrior. Like, more of a fighter than any of us will ever be. But also, I woke up on Friday morning at 4 AM to a message that one of my friends back home would killed himself. This is uh, five hours before my weigh-in. So, Ricky, lad, that's for you. Whoa. There's a stigma in this world that men can't talk. Listen, if you're a man and you've got weight on your shoulders and you think the only way you can solve this is by killing yourself, please speak to someone. Speak to anyone. People would rather... I know I'd rather me make cry on my shoulder and go to his funeral next week. So please, let's get rid of this stigma and men start talking. Beautiful words, Patty. And rest in peace to your friend.
0: Wow.
3: It still gives me shivers, man. man. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it, it's a, yeah, he, in uh, that accent. <laughs> you know, like it's, 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 I love, I love, I love hearing him talk, but. Mm. It's um, also the, like
0: the the platform too. It's like mm-hmm. like going into the belly of the beast for this st- like fighting that stigma yeah. of like men not being able to talk mm-hmm. like like watching UFC like the yes. the toughest most badass guys fighting each other on the planet yeah, and yeah. and then you have somebody you know speaking about a message like that like yeah. it's like that it's does so valuable that
1: does like we can talk about the importance of that to a an audience that is hardwired to go yeah preaching to the choir yeah. 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 You're preaching to the choir to go
3: up there and say something like that to that, to to that audience, millions
1: of people who really do hold subconscious or otherwise that, that belief, not that belief, but that subconscious understanding uh, or idea that they should, that they should, you know, bottle it up. I mean, they're, he's talking to that audience. He's, he's,
3: he's, he's spreading the message that like, to the people you know, that need to hear That like the Movember does such a, yeah. you know, they do tirelessly every single year to, to spread, you know, we in November of last year, we did an episode, a uh, live, a live episode, virtual live show. And uh, that was one of the big things that we talked about was like men's suicide. And, and, you know, the it, it, speaking to the notion of like preaching to the choir, like when you listen to that episode, um, you know, in our social circle, it's very commonplace for us to like share our feelings and to be vulnerable and to be emotional with one another. But when you look at the stats, um, that's not the norm. No, you know, that is not the common, um, the, the, the common outcome when it comes to men and their mental health and their ability to communicate. So, uh, Congrats Patty the Batty on your win and congrats Patty the batty on uh, on spreading such an important message
0: The thing that I find so um <clears throat> remarkable about like the reason that the the fact that men uh don't talk about their mental health and that there's this idea that that if you if you aren't vulnerable then you're <laughs> somehow stronger like objectively it's harder to talk about. Yeah. Tough things than not. So, so like, in fact, you are, you're, you're objectively tougher. stronger yeah. if you're able to talk about those things rather yeah. than shoving them down. And this guy, on top yeah. of that, he'll
1: choke you out. Yeah. You yeah. know, he's, he's <laughs> I mean, extra tough. I, I, at the, at the end of the day, I don't think, it, I don't think it's, you're, you're right, but I don't think it's about, I don't think it's about them feeling that way themselves. It's about portraying to another. Totally. Mm-hmm. To mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. they think another yes. sees as strength yeah, yeah. rather than what yeah. they think or feel as strength.
3: Um, yeah. This next article, oh man, this is some wild shit. Um, and I feel like this warrants like a full episode on its own with per- perhaps like maybe someone like Nahid Dasani or somebody else that can come in and speak to us about this. But um, we've been talking about MADE for years and uh, we've, been, we've also talked about the the problems with the way that made um um you know the the the, the technicalities of made um and the the sort of requirements for people signing up for made um the, the 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 challenges the problems that lay within that especially for folks uh coming from the uh disabled community well this is a wild story coming out of toronto um Toronto woman facing financial loss during COVID begins process for medically assisted death. So uh, contracting COVID-19 radically changed Tracy Thompson's life. This is a bit of a long article, but it, but it's highly important. Uh, It's been more than two years since the initial infection, but her symptoms still dictate her days, leaving her heavy weighted with heavy weighted fatigue, robbing her of energy and her ability to work. Thompson, a Toronto resident in her fifties, says the enduring illness and lack of sub, uh, substantive financial support has led her to begin the process of applying for medical assistance and dying. So she has long COVID. Yes. Yeah. A procedure that first became legal in Canada in 2016. She said, quote, maid is exclusively a financial consideration, she told CTV News. After 26 months of lost income since the onset of symptoms, no foreseeable ability to work, and an absence of support, Thompson said she expects to run out of money within about five months. Quote, my choices are basically to die slowly and painfully or quickly. Those are the options I have left, she said. In addition to severe fatigue, Thompson lists a number of symptoms she's developed from long COVID. She can no longer read books or text longer than a tweet. Her vision usually begins to blur around sunset. It's difficult for her for, to uh, digest food. Her taste and smell has been altered. Some days the oxygen exchange in her lungs is compromised, making it difficult to breathe. Scars mark her heart from swelling she experienced from myocarditis. Myocard- after uh, a year after Thompson became ill, made legislation was revised in Canada. So back in March of 2021, before, uh, before the revisions, Only those whose natural death was reasonably foreseeable, otherwise known as track one patients, were eligible to apply for MAID. For instance, a patient with terminal illness. Now the legislation amended in March 2021 has seen the creation of a track two patient. Now a Canadian enduring an intolerable and irreversible illness, disease, or disability who may not be near the natural end of their lives can qualify for assisted death as well. Now this statement, the track two patient is... One of the things that a lot of disability advocates have been speaking out against mm-hmm. because it makes made a lot more accessible for people that just, you know, that are living a life and uh, aren't necessarily sick, um, but do not have the supports in, in, the, in the healthcare system that allow them to have a life that is, um, that is uh, you know, quality of life is not very high.
1: And almost like lets Canada off the hook. That's right. Yeah, to not to to go. You can do this instead of us fixing the problems that are creating your hardship in the first place. The most
3: recent Health Canada data shows that seven thousand five hundred ninety-five Canadians chose made in two thousand twenty, accounting for two point five percent of the country's deaths. This marks uh, how many? Sorry,
1: how many? I sorry, I heard the percentage, but how many deaths?
3: Seventy five hundred, almost seventy six hundred. Uh, this marks in one year. This marks a more than thirty four percent increase over the previous year. Yeah. However, in 2020, only patients who had reasonably foreseeable deaths were eligible for MAID. Since then, the potential pool of applicants has substantially grown. So that was when they just had track one patients. Before Thompson contracted COVID-19, she worked as a chef in Toronto. Her job consisted of long hours crammed with quick decisions and physical exertion. Now, she says, deciding whether to stand up and fill a glass of water can uh, can bring her day to a standstill. Quote, from being able-bodied and employed to basically bed-bound, I can't get up on average for 20 hours plus, 20 plus hours. I have very little capacity to expend the energy physically, mentally, and emotionally, so I try to stay home all the time. It's not that Thompson wants to die. In fact, she still treasures the little bursts of joy in her life. She said, quote, I'm happy to be alive. I still enjoy life. Birds chirping, small things that make my day are still pleasant to me. They're still enjoyable. I still enjoy my friends. There's a lot to enjoy in life, even if it's small. Yet, a world in which Thompson cannot access an income is not one that she thinks she'll survive. Quote, I don't relish the idea of suffering for months to come to the same conclusion. When support is not coming, things aren't going to change, she said. It seems irrational to put myself through that just to die in the end. Since Thompson's illness is not clearly outlined in the Ontario Disability Support Program uh, eligibility, which currently grants a single applicant a maximum amount of $1,169 a month. She believes it could take uh, years to qualify, something that many Ontarians Ontarians, yeah, who've applied for the program say is not uncommon. Even if Thompson did qualify, she says the whole sum of the monthly support would at best cover her rent. Mm.
0: Uh,
3: At best. She Mm. said that would be the entirety of my living budget, she said. So far, Thompson has sought one doctor's approval for MAID, and is waiting to hear back from a second specialist. To be considered, an applicant needs two independent doctors or nurse practitioners to confirm they meet the criteria. That goes alongside a written request for made signed by the person who is applying for it. Once you've completed all three things, you're good to go.
1: Man, what a challenging thing for a doctor. Uh,
3: While Thompson is still working through the necessary steps, she's confident she'll get the approval. As best I know, I would meet the criteria. I am very ill. There is no treatment. There is no cure. You do not have to be terminally ill, she said. Uh, While well, Thompson is el- currently eligible, f- eligible for MAID, there's a new cohort of Canadians who will be able to apply in a matter of months. Beginning on May, March 17th, 2023, applicants with a mental illness as their sole underlying medical condition will qualify for MAID. Wow. Mitchell Tremblay uh, has already penned his letter for consideration. At 17, he, re- he received a number of mental health diagnoses, including post-traumatic stress disorder, generalized anxiety, and a, massive, a major depressive disorder. The following year, a couple days before his 18th birthday, his parents kicked him out of the house. Quote, my parents didn't believe any of it. If, uh, if the help had been there, I would have had a completely different life. For nearly 15 years, Tremblay has been on ODSP, uh, the, the support program. Uh, he, said he, approc- uh, he said the approximate $1,000 was just enough to live on with an incremental change since then. He said he's barely been able to survive. Quote, I'm basically living on the same amount since 2008. He said, I've gone homeless uh, so many times I can't keep track. Hmm. Looking back, Trombley said that if he'd had the financial and emotional support, even just 10 years ago, he could
0: have had an absolutely different life. Not to mention the current um, inflation rate <coughs> exactly. in the country too. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah.
3: Dr. Nahid Dasani, a Toronto palliative care doctor who we've had on the show a number of times in the past. Um, uh and health equality leader at Kensington Health, said many people who are choosing to pursue MAID following the recent revision are doing so to alleviate their suffering, but it can be difficult to dissect the root of the suffering, he says. Quote, one of the things that becomes very difficult to tease out is when suffering is related to the fact that people don't have housing or food and how that is so difficult to separate from suffering related to a medical condition. My worry is that we are creating a situation where it's easier for people to choose death by maid than to choose to live well because society is not offering them adequate access to money, housing, food security, and social support. Lack of affordable housing and financial support do not alone qualify for a patient for assisted death, but Dr. Stephanie Green, a maid practitioner in Victoria, BC, said such complexities may contribute to a person's suffering. Quote, suffering is one of the elements required for eligibility for maid, so it's impossible to discount these issues when assessing someone, she said. As a maid practitioner, Green said it's part of her job to evaluate the issues contributing to a person's suffering and strive to seek out, inform, and make available the limited resources that do exist. Quote, our health care system is woefully inadequate in serving our population with these resources, Green said. But I do not think we can hold these patients hostage. There are circumstances where an assisted death is appropriate, said Dr. Harriet Van Spall, a physician in Hamilton, Ontario, involved in MAID research. Quote, but when related to socioeconomic status, living conditions, loneliness, or control of symptoms that can be cared for, it's quite tragic for people to have to choose MAID, she said. Van Spall said, part of the problem is that society has become transactional to the point where that we view some lives as more valuable than others. Quote, we have to be careful we don't apply laws that inadvertently help people terminate their lives because they don't feel valued or respected or that they belong, she said. As Thompson takes steps towards an assisted death, she says she's mindful of the way made and access to assisted death intersects with marginalized groups in society. She said, quote, the government as a body is telling people that they're willing to assist them to death because they don't have enough money to live with dignity. That's a pretty clear sign signal to me that unless you are able-bodied enough or able-minded enough to work and produce profit, then you don't have any place here. Thompson said.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's uh, a, like I, it, it is, it's, it's fucking wild. It's a, it's a, it's something that's like, you know, it's stuck between a rock and a hard place because if you have the ability in the presence of made in the way that it is right now, you could, not that we <clears> will, but you could create a scenario where it becomes so prevalent to, to use the access to to use access to made that the advocacy that is necessary the the advocacy and the pain felt by the people that are not being supported yeah is not present to force the change yeah. to to change the circumstances that make them want to access made which is
3: horrible like that's a, that, i mean that would be a, that that would be a horrible way to finally see change mm mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 after having to to witness thousands but I don't, but and I don't thousands think it, of people die, what I
1: think is it does. I think it. I think it diminishes the ability to change because oh, the, I see. because because the people that because again, this is a possible. This is just like yes, one possible yes, yes, track. Yes. Is that if if it becomes really really popular is not the right word, but you know what I mean mm-hmm. it becomes really really common to access made under these circumstances then the people that would otherwise be shouting from the rooftops that they need support are not there to tell the government that they need support. Yes. Because they're using <laughs> MAID. Yes, I see. I see. Yeah. And, and, the, thing and the
3: thing that I was thinking was that perhaps the amount of people that are suffering from the loss of their loved ones because of the lack of support will like, yeah. charge yeah, yeah, this, yeah. this, yeah, riot, this riot, this revolt side, of yeah. like, what the fuck are we actually fucking doing here? Yeah. But
0: the, the, The thing that I find so gross about this situation is the fact that so this person who in the article who's choosing to go ahead with this. They're not being pressured to make that decision directly, Mm -hmm. but the indirect pressures of it make them believe that is the right decision for them. And so like the fact that it's like (coughs) I know that the word gaslighting is kind of overused and a little bit gross. But like in this situation, it's like you're making that person believe that that is their best option because you're not giving them the resources. So like you're in it indirectly. It's a bit of convincing them that, that, that that is the right choice.
1: Yeah. Bit of a weird word. Just, just from the perspective of like, you are giving that person the, you are making that person to feel as if like personifying the government.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But I mean, I know the government is a collection of people i understand that
3: but <laughs> this like, is uh th- i mean this just goes to show that like the conversation we had with guys standing the other day totally you know it just it puts another it puts another piece in place um as to why you know something like a basic income is it yeah. could could fundamentally change so many people's lives that to the to the degree of them deciding not to elect to to have their lives taken by by through 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 like medical intervention it's Dude, fucking
0: crazy also by the way um just this is uh this is my personal opinion hot take on the the response that i got personally to the guy standing episode i shared um a clip on my personal instagram Were people pissed that he was sitting yeah <laughs> no Why but, isn't but this i actually actually got like 10 or 15 messages from people who are like you know fuck that guy and his ideas because there's a lot, inflation there's a because lot, of, yeah there's a lot and, of people and like and based on the, you know, test, uh, the, the, Ooh. the trials that they've done, like the, these people are just, you know, projecting their own opinions yeah. on this without even doing listening any of their the own fuck, research. Or listening to the fucking episode. And, yeah. And, and he, he and touched so, on inflation. And so my frustration is, is like those people, their ideas of like that, that prevent something like a universal Ooh. basic income to even be considered. Yeah are causing people like this to choose death yeah. over, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. because I, I, I'm i also,
1: because <clears throat> I mean, we had, we had a, this conversation, I think l- later that same day when we talked to guy, but like, I'm not going to sit here and say that I am 100% for universal basic income. And I think that it is the be all end all and the fish or whatever, because it's, I don't think you should. Cause it's cause, cause <laughs> like who fucking knows? I mean, it, that could have practical problems that we have not even begun <clears throat> to consider, even at the most educated uh, level of of economists only but, one way to find out but but to have the response and especially almost certainly from people that didn't listen yeah <clears throat> of like entirely is, from people is, who didn't this listen. is my like gut reaction <laughs> to hearing the words yeah. universal basic yeah. income it's like you are not doing yourself yeah. if that's how you feel and you created that stance more than six months ago and haven't revisited it at Mm -hmm. all since you made that decision and that continues to be your reaction, you need to remind yourself that the world has since changed in time. Yeah. And you need to re-understand why you feel that way yeah. or whether you should feel different. Because it,
3: I, like, like I for years, I hated Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> <laughs> and the other night I was camping and this guy was like, hey, can you put on an album called Nebraska? And I looked <laughs> oh, at it wow. and I was like... Oh, fuck. But I, I love Nebraska. But we, we, and I listened <laughs> to it. And it was one of the best albums I've listened God. to in a long time. And you changed your mind. So, you know, E Street Band, they can suck it. But
0: <laughs> Bruce Springsteen. Wow, I've changed my mind. He's deja pretty deja vu. Good. Uh, but the but the things we spoke to when we spoke to that policymaker a long time ago about universal basic income, uh, he said nobody could say I agree with universal basic income and that sentence be a fair statement because universal basic income will come in. You know, there's there's a million different ways you could cut it. There's a million different ways you could set it up, and so not all of those ways are going to yield. All of them are going to yield entirely different results. So it's about like we have to have more (laughs) nuanced conversations about it, rather than like fuck that idea. That's dumb. The way that universal
1: health care is rolled out differently in different countries. That's right, totally. And you see different results. It's no different. I I I did want to say on the on the maid thing is that when maid first came came to be in Canada, it it really served this like really noble purpose. Yes. Mm -hmm. And because it was like people who are immediately like suffering and no end, like there, there is no end other than a painful end from a physical like disease. And now it's been expanded into this realm of, and, and and no, and and into that first cohort of people, like nothing to be done, Mm. zero to be done. And now we've expanded it into this realm of nothing to be done now but could be done if we really put our fucking heads down and try to figure out these problems mm-hmm. and now, you, but you can also do it now. And that is really sad Yeah, mm-hmm. that we, that, 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 that has to exist instead of the problem solving. Yeah.
0: yeah it's like, like Audrey Parker's version of made has such a like, like warm spot yes. in my heart. Yeah. You know, like I, I love, I love that she was able to do that. Yeah. It's like my favorite episode we've ever recorded and then, but then you take it to where we're at yeah.
1: today, and there's a whole bunch of issues. Yeah. With
3: it. Interesting stuff. Uh, so maybe we'll touch on this in the coming weeks uh, with our Wednesday episodes. And speaking of that, folks, uh, thank you for listening. I had a I had a what the health prepped here, but I got to go. I got to go get a tattoo. So uh, I will carry that over to next week. And uh, while you wait for next week's episode, if you want to support the podcast, you can listen on Mondays again. Like I said, Wednesdays uh, or every Friday here on YouTube or wherever you find podcasts. Uh, And if you want to uh, support further, you can leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or leave a rating on the Spotify mobile app. We would appreciate that. And of course, uh, Discord popping off. We got lots of fun conversations happening over there. If you want to join the Discord, the
1: link is in the show notes. And uh, we touched on a couple of different controversial things today. on The idea about the twins and the idea about maid and all those things. And we are not attached to our ideas. So if you disagree with us. Like conjoined twins. Like conjoined twins. So if you disagree (laughs) with us, we would like to know why. Letters at sickboypodcast.com. And if you want to be a guest on the show, you can go to sickboypodcast.com slash contact.
0: And thanks, as always, to the folks who make the show happen. A huge shout out to uh, Rich O'Coin for the theme music and Jeff Lonis, who is our manager. We love you guys so much. That is it for this week. I'm Brian, I'm Taylor, and I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy.